1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into Lakers Nation Live. The Lakers, oh boy, they just lost to the 76ers in a game played in Philly, and I'm using that term very, very loosely, that term being played. (laughs) That was about as much of a no-show performance as we've ever seen from this Lakers team. Final score, 138-94. to The score in the fourth quarter, was 40 to 14. Now the Lakers waved the white flag with about eight minutes to play, but nonetheless, yikes, this was an insane blowout loss for these Lakers. We'll talk about what happened in this game. Um, there's actually a lot of things, right? It's it's very easy. I think that what we're going to see now. By the by the way, before I even dive into it. Welcome in. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. Anybody who's coming in new, I'm sorry that this is the first show that you're joining for because this is not the ideal outcome certainly for a professional game in any sport to lose that badly. Absolutely ridiculous. So we've got a lot going on here to get into. And I, I think that what we're going to see happen is we're going to see a lot of people i um, talking about one specific thing, right? You're going to see a lot of the, the conversation is going to be just rage anger coming out, right? Which is warranted when you lose this badly, but you're going to see a lot of people say, this is, this is on Darwin ham. This is bad coaching. This is on Anthony Davis for not, not stepping up. This is on LeBron James for having no rebounds in a game. Somehow, Right? This is on the Lakers role players for not shooting the ball well well enough. This is on the Lakers defense for not putting in enough effort. This is the Lakers team in general for not putting in enough effort. This is the Lakers defensive schemes. This is everything else. Right, I think we're going to see all of that, but people will be focused on just one thing, funneling their attention on one thing. This is proof. Darvin Ham is the worst. Fire Darvin Ham. I'm seeing it in the chat. uh, trade Austin Reeves, trade this guy, trade D'Angelo Russell, trade that guy, trade what's LeBron doing? Here's the thing. Here's you you want the, the truth. The truth is it's all of that. The truth is it's everything. The truth is if you want to point at any one thing and say, this is why that's just not correct. You don't lose by 40 some odd points. Because of just one thing, you lose by that much because of a lot of things. And yes, part of it, part of it is the 76ers just were out of their minds shooting the basketball. They're not a great three point shooting team. Finished 48% from deep on the game. Their franchise all time record in three pointers made is 23. Tonight, they made 22 out of 46 attempts, half of their attempts. In the game, they took 93 field goals in the game. Half of their attempts in the game were three-point shots. They were 22 of 46 on the night. Again, one shy of the all-time franchise record in made threes. Now, even just in that, though, there's more nuance than just, uh oh, it was a great shooting night from the 76ers. No, the Lakers' perimeter defense was terrible, right? Part of it is the 76ers were red hot, and they were knocking everything down. Part of it is the Lakers defense did a terrible job contesting all night on the 76ers, gave them open look after open look after open look. I mean, hell, Patrick Beverly is out there hitting threes, four of eight, 50% from three for Patrick Beverly. And that's when you know, okay, they're having a hot shooting night. That happens sometimes that can make things look even worse. But again, this isn't just, well, they had a hot shooting night, whatever. I'm going to wash my hands of this. It's all good. No, the Lakers' defense was terrible, and that compounded the hot shooting night from the 76ers. Then you flip it over. You see the Lakers themselves, 7 for 28 from three, 25%. That's not good enough. You you allowed your opponent to hit 15 more threes than you did. It's all but impossible to win a game that way. And then out on top of the 76ers, they shot a higher percentage from the field, 50% from the field, 48% from three, And they had 15 offensive rebounds to just six for the Lakers. So that offensive rebounding problem that the Lakers have had off and on throughout the season, that reared its ugly head and the 76ers only turned the ball over five times. The Lakers didn't force any turnovers. The Lakers turned the ball over 17 times themselves. So you gave, it was a perfect storm of awfulness. You gave up a ton of offensive rebounds. You, you, Turn the ball over a bunch. You didn't force any turnovers. Your opponent shot lights out from three, and you didn't bother defending them behind the three-point line. That's how you get to a 44-point loss. So, again, it's all of it. It's going to take multiple things to create this bad of a loss. And if you want to come here and you want to point fingers, make sure you're pointing at lots of things. Because I can tell you, it's not just one thing. It's not just one thing. You don't just change one. You don't get to a 44-point loss just by, well, the coach is bad. Just Just by, well, we didn't shoot well. Just, well, we didn't defend well. Well, this or that or the other. It takes a lot of things in order to create a game this atrocious. And let's face it, this unforgivable. You can't do this in the NBA. You can't come out and lose by 44 points. Look, if another team has a hot shooting night, that happens. But there's something called pride, and you've got to have it. You've got to have it. You can't come out there and lose by 44 points. That's embarrassing to your team. That's embarrassing to your fan base. That's embarrassing to your organization. You simply can't do that. Again, they're on the road. No, they didn't have a lot of energy, right? We saw that. But you have to fight through all of that. And look, it's easier said than done. I'm sitting here in a chair. Easier said than done, right? The guys that are out there on the floor, It's much more difficult when threes are raining on your head and you can't get stops and you can't get stops and you can't get stops to say, I'm going to push through and I'm going to continue to make that extra effort so we don't get blown out by 44. But at some point you have to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to let my team get blown out by 44. If nobody else is showing effort, I'm going to. I'm going to be the one that sparks it And I didn't see anybody do that. We didn't see that from this Lakers team. So certainly a frustrating performance. I'm going to get into the chat here we're gonna we're gonna talk all about this lots of things to break down from this game but uh, that frustration that you feel the one nice thing about doing these these lakers nation live shows is that we're all in it together we all feel that i feel that frustration i'm embarrassed by what we saw in this game i know you guys are too and there's lots of things to vent about so let's do it let's vent a little bit andrew said a lot of this loss was on coaching and why do we struggle? So much with giving AD the ball when he's ceiling deep, make the entry pass of all the coaches. I hate playing against nurse the most, you know, Nick nurse is the coach uh, of the, was the coach of the Toronto Raptors last season that schemed Anthony Davis out of the game. Initially we saw it late last season, schemed Anthony Davis out of a game. And then everybody has copycatted that since then, uh, AD in this one, 17 points, 11 boards. I mean, that's not terrible. Seven to 14 shooting. And he actually came out pretty hot. Uh, at first, this game followed that familiar narrative. The Lakers came out hot in the first quarter. This is, by the way, in case you've, you haven't noticed, this is the way Lakers games go um, this season. They come out pretty well in the first, for the first four-ish, sometimes five or so minutes, and they come out and they look pretty good. Usually, they jump out to a little bit of a lead, and then everything falls to pieces offensively. They stop scoring, and the opponent catches up, and then some by the end of the first, they're trailing. The second... They either tread water, sometimes come back a little bit, sometimes lose a little bit, but it's just kind of a lost quarter, right? You're not not making up a whole lot of ground. It's kind of a treadmill quarter. The third, they pick things up. The third, they cut into the lead. The fourth, they're at a full sprint, and they're doing everything they can to catch up, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. That's the basic structure that we see for most Lakers games, and this game indeed started that exact same way, the difference being the 76ers did not – let the Lakers back into the game after halftime. In fact, they just poured it on even more. Philadelphia won every quarter of this game, every single quarter, even when the Lakers tried to turn it on a little bit. uh, They tried, they got going a bit in the second, had 34 points in the second. Philadelphia had 36, but AD himself, 11 boards, one steal, one block, two turnovers, 17 points. I mean, the stat line isn't terrible, but clearly he was not on the same level as Joel Embiid. And we can talk certainly about the the flopping and all of that. There's a little bit we need to get into about the 76ers broadcast because it was was pretty damn hilarious. Uh, But I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, So there's a, a decent stat line from AD. It's not like he had nine points or something, but he didn't step up in the way the Lakers needed him to. And then you look at LeBron. LeBron, eight for 12. Okay, that's fine. Five assists, no rebounds, 18 points. LeBron was a minus 30 on the night. Just nothing, nothing was working for the Lakers in this one. All right. Mario Hernandez said, master lock the whole team. Oh, we'll get to that, Mario. We'll be getting to the master lock. And I'm telling you, we're going to do it sooner rather than later. We're not going to wait on the master lock because there is no superstar of the night. There is no star in your role. There can't be in a game like this. Not going to happen. Joseph said, today's game is an example why we should trade D'Lo. I like D'Lo. And in another universe, I'd want him as a bench player. But when LeBron and AD set screens, they need someone with speed who can pressure the rim and force the defense to help. You know, it's it's a good argument for why D'Angelo Russell maybe moving on from him would be the right decision. Now, again, I like D'Angelo Russell. I think it all depends on what you're getting back in return. I don't think by any means he should be untouchable. And I do think we're going to hear a lot of D'Angelo Russell trade rumors between December 15th when he's trade eligible and February 8th, which is the trade deadline. We're going to hear a lot of them. And that's not that I think the Lakers should be a motivated seller on D'Angelo Russell. No, I, again, I like D'Angelo Russell. I like the story. I like the idea of him coming back to L.A., having grown up and, and all of these things and becoming this more mature player in person and all of that and coming back to the team that drafted him and finding success. I want all of that. I want all of that for D'Angelo Russell. The fact is that his contract is what it is. He has a player option this summer, which means he could walk away from the Lakers and the Lakers could get nothing in return. And the Lakers negotiated out his no trade clause during this season. So the Lakers can trade him. Um, His salary would also be very useful in a trade. So all of that says we're going to hear a lot of D'Lo trade rumors. Now, again, it doesn't mean he's going to be moved. I think you can make an argument that there are times where D'Angelo Russell's lack of quickness, lack of athleticism, hurts him. And he knows it. He knows he's not the fastest player. He's talked about it. He's very well aware. He does things in his game to try to make up for it. But there's only so much you can do. In some games, he doesn't look good. Other games, he looks fantastic. And he'll go out and he'll shoot five for seven from three and have a great game and and do some fantastic things for the Lakers. But uh, but this game was not a good game for him. Uh, Wasn't a good game for a lot of guys. And again, I do think he's a player that we are going to hear trade rumors about between December 15th and February 8th. Just be ready. And again, doesn't mean he's going to get moved. Doesn't mean the right move is a trade. You got to be careful if you do move him. But he's going to be involved in trade rumors. Jay said Sixers go on an 18-2 to run in the first quarter and no timeout is called. Yeah, you know what? We've been talking about this more lately because Darwin Ham, he gave the excuse the rationale in terms of why he doesn't use more timeouts he said well i'd like to save them that way in the fourth quarter i don't have to pull lebron james and anthony davis off the floor to get them rest i can just call timeouts well he also hasn't been doing that much either so then why save the timeouts why not do what you see most coaches do where an opponent goes on a 5-0 sometimes a 7-0 run timeout Let's slow this thing down. Let's stop the momentum. Let's come back. Let's set up what we think is our best play that's going to generate a good look so that we can get things going the direction we need to. And also defensively, let's make any adjustments that we need to to address the ways that the opponent's scoring. Now, that's what you see most teams do. OKC's great at it. I mean, look, just about everybody's great at it. The Lakers don't do it. The Lakers don't do it. And I'm not saying Darwin's approach is necessarily wrong. Because think back. I mean, the greatest coach of all time, Phil Jackson, did this. Phil Jackson would let players try to figure things out on the fly and he wouldn't burn timeouts. So there is some rationale for Darwin's strategy with timeouts. There is some reason to say, well, that this actually could work. And there are moments where I'm thinking he should call timeout. He doesn't. And then something great happens or the Lakers go on a run. But still, an 18-2 to run with nothing, I think even Phil Jackson is calling timeout in that moment and trying to right the ship. Darvin did not, and um, I mean, I don't want to say the game ended in the first quarter, but that kind of got the got the 76ers on a roll, and that was all she wrote. Moran said, we need to finally admit, or we need to admit this team is fatally flawed. Shooting and athleticism is desperately lacking. Getting healthy won't help enough. Well, you know, that is one thing that has to be mentioned. Again, look, the the guys who were playing The guys who were playing still need to put forth that effort, should not lose a game by 44 points. That that should not happen. But when I talk about there's a lot of reasons why this happened, one of many reasons, far from being the only reason, far from being the biggest reason, but one of them is you're missing four of your top eight, nine rotation players, right? Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, and Gabe Vincent. Those guys are all out due to injury. Now, that said, had the Lakers been healthy and played with this level of urgency and the 76ers shot this way, that wasn't going to matter. That wasn't going to change the outcome. Maybe they lose by 34 instead of 44. But that said, shooting is definitely lacking right now. Shooting is lacking. And there have been there was some hope coming into the season that they would shoot better, that some of the guys that have struggled would see their percentages go up. Torian Prince was one of those guys. Three for six. That works. Christian Wood, though, month of November has been rough for him. 0 for 5 from 3 in this one. They didn't have enough three-point shooting um, on this team right now. They just don't. They're not hitting consistently enough, and they've you can't shoot 25% from 3 in a game. Right now, they are one of the worst three-point shooting teams by percentage in the NBA, but they're also one of the lowest three-point shooting teams in terms of volume at some point that becomes a big detriment right when you're when you're making seven threes and your opponent's making 22 that's 15 extra points your opponent's scoring just behind the three-point line that's difficult then on top of that the 76ers shot 26 free throws and beat himself shot 12. yes he's floppy floppy as hell it's ridiculous but Maxi had nine free throws the Lakers only shot 13 free throws you have to make up for that three-point shooting in a lot of other areas. And tonight, the Lakers didn't. They didn't make up for it at all in any area. In fact, they gave up even more. So it's the shooting is a problem. As far as the athleticism goes, it's a fine line. I do think this team can be pretty versatile, pretty athletic, but they need all their wings in order to do it. They didn't have that tonight. Joseph, today's game... Uh, oh, I got that one already. Uh, let's see... Mamba mentality. My guy said, if any NBA team wants an example, how to defend home court, this is a prime example. Rockets, another team that do the same this season. Just get rest, get ready for the next game. So yeah, next game, the Lakers take on the Detroit Pistons. And that is now, look, I've been calling that a must win. That's These types of games are always must wins in my mind. These games where you're playing up against a team that is really, really bad, that is going to be one of the bottom teams in the league, that's a must win. Right And people like, what? what? Shouldn't it be a division rival that's a must-win or something? The way you get to where you want to go in the NBA, it's by beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And so a game against the Detroit Pistons is a must-win. You Now, it's also a game you should win, but you've got to go in there, you've got to put in the work, put in the focus, the effort, all the stuff we didn't see in tonight's game, take your win and move on to the next one. Because I'll tell you this, I don't have the Lakers winning Thursday night. Second night of a back-to-back in OKC. My goal for this team on this four-game road trip was to go 2-2. and That is still a reality. They beat the Cavs. Now they have to beat the Pistons. If you win those two games, you lose to the Sixers, you lose to the Thunder. There you go. There's your 2-2. and So this game against the Pistons, this is now a must-win. You've got to get it done. You've got to show up. And frankly, if I'm the Lakers, you come in here and you beat the hell out of the Pistons. Because you should be embarrassed after this game. You should be eager to get back out on the floor and prove to everybody that what happened in this game is not a true representation of this team, is not a true representation of this organization. You should be eager to do that. You should feel something after this game. And that should come out in the game against the Pistons on Wednesday. That's what I want to see in Wednesday afternoon's game. Mission 86 said, I was not feeling the brotherly love. No bueno. Um, whatever. Next, got to beat the boss on Wednesday. Yeah. Got to beat them. Got to beat the Pistons. A good guy. Said, we're still very injured. Just survived the road trip. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are very injured. But, so losing this game is one thing. Right. If you you lose this game to the 76ers, okay. You're super injured. You're missing four rotation players. Right. You're you're missing most of your wing depth. It's understandable. Like I wouldn't fault the the 76ers were like a five and a half point favorite coming into this one. Okay. Like I if the Lakers played hard and played well and they lost the game and 76ers just played better, you'd say, okay. They they lost the game. That that happens. That happens. But what we saw in this one goes way beyond that. And again, for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, goes way beyond that. Way beyond just, well, they're injured and they'll be better later. But the lack of heart, pride of any of that in this game, that that's a little bit concerning, right? Most teams will go the entire season, not, season and not lose by 44 points. Against healthy, good teams, we can't even compete. Sad. So I think that's going, um, I think that's going too far in terms of like healthy, good teams, we can't compete. This was, it was one game against a, a healthy, good team, but it was a lot of other factors. Like I think if the Lakers are also healthy, if the Lakers are playing to the level that we expect them to play at, if they are, uh, putting forth full effort if they are fixing some things tactically and all that. I think this team can be competitive. Absolutely. Tonight was not that. Tonight was not that. Keith Smith is asking me what happened. I was out all night. I'm telling him the no-show of all no-shows. Um, which loss was worse? This one, Orlando or Houston? Uh, this one, this is the worst. This is the worst loss of the season. I think this is the the worst loss of the season because in hindsight, so going into those games, Houston or in Orlando going into those games, we said, well, you definitely should have beat these teams. These are not good teams because that's what they were expected to be coming into the season. We didn't have a lot of info on what they were yet. Now we're finding out like, okay, Orlando may actually be a legit playoff team. Houston may actually be pretty good. Um, in the West. And so you don't want to get blown out by those teams, but okay. It's not quite as crazy. This game though, you lost by 44. You're waving the white flag with nine minutes to go in the fourth. Yeah. Like they didn't, they they didn't compete at all in this one. And I thought they were low energy in those games too, but this was, was particularly bad. It was, it was particularly bad. It was alarming. All right, let's do this. Because I said I wasn't going to wait too long to get to this. Let's do the Master Lock. So let me know, what, what did you think was the most annoying thing from this game? Give me your thoughts.
0: Master Lock of the Night.
1: The Master Lock of the Night. So the worst thing from this game. Let me know what it was. I'm seeing the whole team Darvin ham the coaching staff (laughs) tonight just tonight was the worst thing tonight I like that the effort Darvin ham team energy and defense we've got some of our our channel members are chiming in here mama mentality says team energy and defense Mark Goggins says Darvin ham ham not calling timeouts yeah oh no Oh, no. Somebody said Sean Davis. Why is Sean catching strays? He's not even on here right now. His show is coming up in just a bit. Why are we master locking Sean? Man. That's just mean. That's just mean. Okay. This is the one I got to go to. (laughs) Sixers announcers. So. Oh, somebody said Dylan Brooks. So if you guys were following this, this is my my master lock. This is not the worst thing necessarily from this game, but it's annoying. So before the game, Paul Reed had some comments calling Anthony Davis a flopper. And and when asked about how he's going to defend AD, well, we know he likes to flop a lot. So, you know, I'm going to have to have to, you know, defend him a certain way. I'm paraphrasing, right? Calls AD a flopper which, I mean, is about as ironic as it can be, right? Just absolutely ridiculous stuff because Joel Embiid is a 76er. The team literally leads the league in free throw attempts. Joel Embiid leads the league in free throw attempts for an individual player, and he flops like crazy. Falls all over the floor, runs into players, throws arms. He's center James Harden. He's a center version of James Harden. That's what he does. He looks for arms to throw his arms under and flail and all that kind of stuff. Well, then they turned around and just accused Anthony Davis of doing that, which is ridiculous. Anthony Davis is like 24th in the NBA in free throw attempts per game, and doesn't get a lot of fouls. Doesn't shoot a lot of free throws compared to most star level players in the NBA. So there was that. And then get this, get this. The 70, I had the unfortunate, unfortunate. Um, situation where I had to watch the 76ers broadcast. And look, broadcasting is not an easy thing. And naturally, every time you hear an opponent's broadcast, which comes from their point of view, you're you're probably not gonna like that. You're not gonna think they do such a good job because they're not gonna they're gonna say positive things about their team and some negative things about your team. Because that's what home broadcast crews are supposed to do. And so I think we can sometimes overreact to the quality of non-Lakers broadcast teams because they're not say they're not praising the Lakers so much. Now there are a lot that are more biased than the Lakers crew. And I think the Philadelphia crew is, was fairly biased, but they did a whole segment like throwing down to their sideline reporter to talk about how the 76ers are managing, defending Anthony Davis because he's so good at drawing fouls. I'm at home just losing my mind. Like you have Joel Embiid on your team. He shoots twice as many free throws as Anthony Davis, what are we talking about what are we talking about here when we're making multiple comments setting up an entire segment built around anthony davis's free throw shooting it was about as bizarre as can be to hone in on any particular thing i was i was shocked i was shocked that that was really what they what they went to and what they decided to go to anthony davis's foul-drawing capabilities. I don't think I've seen... He's not even the top free-throw sh- shooter on his team. LeBron, who is criminally, criminally under-officiated, right, does not get to the free-throw line as much as he should. LeBron James shoots more free-throws than Anthony Davis does, and they devoted a whole segment to AD and his ability to flop his way to the free-throw line.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I've never seen that. I've never seen a team get so locked in on something that was that isn't even really a thing. It's not. It would be like if the Lakers went into this game and said, "And said the big thing we got to watch out for is Pat Bev's three point shooting. That's what we're really focused on." As it turned out, maybe they should have because he's four for eight. But my goodness, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. James Jones, Trevor predicted a two and two road trip, but now he's complaining that they lost. I-, I think complaining is warranted in this case. It's not that they lost, as I was just saying. It's not that they lost. If they had just lost the game and, Philly played better than they did. Like, okay. It's how they lost. It's how they lost. That's that's what matters. This one said, hated how AD and Braun went down quietly. Also, um, also, Ham's rotations. Can we see Max Lewis and Hayes for energy? So, the rotations weren't good, weren't great. We saw Jalen hood Shafino make his NBA debut, by the way. Got actually first half minutes, played three minutes in the first half. But Max Lewis and Hayes for energy. I don't, look, if the team was playing the way that they did in this game, it wasn't going to matter necessarily what the rotations were. Now, I thought that the Lakers didn't adjust their game plan once the 76ers started knocking down threes. They believed that they were going to start missing at some point, and the 76ers didn't. They just kept hitting and kept hitting. Like The hope was, okay, maybe after halftime, they'll cool off, and they didn't. They came out red hot in the third quarter. But again, the Lakers didn't adjust and start covering them defensively and and make the effort to rotate out. That's if we're going to be upset about the rotations or anything. It should be not adjusting scheme at that point when the 76ers proved they could hit from deep. Joseph. Also, while he had a nice shooting night, nothing Torian does stands out. He gets lost on defense too often. Package him with D'Lo. I mean, Torian's only making $4.5 so you're not going to get a lot. There's not a lot of you know salary going out there. Um, he's on a one-year contract. I, I still think he's going to be just fine as a player, but the Lakers are probably asking a little bit too much of him right now out of necessity because all the other wings are out. But Torian has not been great defensively. He's not like a one-on-one stopper. But the Lakers are kind of missing that guy, right? Like Cam Reddish was kind of filling that role for the Lakers. And now he's hurt and he's been questionable. Hopefully he goes against the Pistons. We'll see. Jared Vanderbilt, the, both those guys should be in that role. Dennis Schroeder was in that role last year. Gabe Vincent was going to kind of be in that role for a guard, but he's hurt. So you're essentially taking guys who are best as team defenders. You're not going to stop a guy one-on-one, but you are you can fit into a team scheme and you're asking them to be one-on-one lockdown stoppers. Like, that's essentially what Torian is being asked to do. That's not really what he does best. So, you can say, yeah, he's getting lost off ball. He is um, getting lost off ball sometimes, but he's kind of being thrust into a a bigger defensive role than he really should be. The key for him is just knock down some threes, right? Occasionally get into the paint, have some little drop-off passes, get to the rim, off closeouts. And that's all you're asking for on the offensive end. And then defensively, just be just be average but i think he needs the rest of the team around him to be good he can't be the piece that lifts the team up defensively that that's that's not what he is and that's kind of what he's being asked to do on this team right now jay delgado what's the deal with teams turning into the 2017 warriors against la plus him not calling a timeout in that 18 to 2 run was costly you know i looked it up because somebody was asking me over on x You guys can find me there at Trevor underscore Lane. Somebody was asking me over on X why the Lakers three-point defense is so bad. Why teams just consistently go off on the Lakers. And the truth is, that's not the case. Now, I'm sure this number will have dropped, but prior to tonight's game, they actually ranked 11th in the NBA in three-point percentage in terms of, or opponents' three-point percentage. So they were just barely outside the, Upper third of the NBA in three-point percentage for opponents. So they've actually been pretty solid. Not, not great, right? But solid. Not bad. It's not like teams are it's not like they're dead last. It's not like teams are just lighting them up from three every single night. And yet it does feel that way. It feels like teams tend to go off. I think when a player that you're not expecting, like Pat Bev shoots four for eight from three, that's annoying and that stands out. And that tends to happen. Matisse Thybul goes nuts from three against the Lakers, right? That's the kind of stuff that stands out. That's loud. That's noisy. And so we remember it. And so then it feels like all these teams are just going berserk from three when that's not really what the numbers tell us. Now, I will say tonight, I thought the Lakers' three-point defense was terrible. It was awful. They've been okay on the season, but tonight their defense was, was bad. So I don't know that teams consistently turn into the 2017 Warriors against the Lakers. I think it's a combination of when teams do go on three-point shooting runs, particularly when it's guys you're not expecting to make threes, that really sticks out to us. It's also the Lakers aren't a good three-point shooting team. So by contrast, every team looks really, really good, looks like the 2017 Warriors because the Lakers are not a good three-point shooting team. Um, but yeah, that that timeout was not good, or lack of a timeout was not good as well. And yeah, somebody's mentioning in the chat right now, the offensive rebound threes are killer, 100%. Sky Falcon mentioned that. It's those offensive rebound threes. Yeah, those you're caught into essentially a transition and you give up an offensive rebound. It leads to a kick out to a wide open three so many times and it just absolutely burns you. It absolutely burns you. All right, let's do a few more. We will have Sean Davis's post-post game show here in just a bit. So be on the lookout for, for that one. He'll break down a little bit more of the X's and O's and what the Lakers can change and, and all of that. Let's see. Davian Nelson said Reeves for Cam Thomas and Claxton. Again, I like Austin Reeves a lot, but the Nets aren't doing that. They're not trading a young score and a young big for a young guard. Now, Reeves is, has more dimensions to his game than Cam Thomas does, but Cam Thomas has been a flamethrower this year scoring the basketball. And then Claxton is a good young big. I, I don't think the Nets are doing that. Mama mentality, if the 76ers play all home home games, no away games, 82 and 0, they are good at home. That, that, does, that does matter. The only 23 is MJ. It said Lakers showed the true definition of garbage time. Yeah, it was it was garbage time. Gosh, most of this game felt like garbage time, didn't it? Didn't it? That was uh that was a frustrating one. That so much of the game was was essentially garbage time. Yeah, not fun. M dread. AD needs either Rondo or Chris Paul to be great bad loss. Um yeah, I think there's something to be said there for a pass first maestro style point guard. There's not a lot of those in the league anymore. But Anthony Davis is going to thrive with a player like that that can really pass the ball, can give them the ball in the right spots. Because we do see a lot of times where the Lakers struggle to get him the ball. They struggle to make to find the right passing angle. They struggle to make the entry pass correctly. Anthony Davis, he deserves some blame in that too, though. It doesn't always seal his man properly. That creates some problems. Sometimes doesn't demand the ball enough. So there's plenty of fingers to be pointed, plenty of blame to go around. But yeah, if there was a true pass first, maestro style point guard that is just going to orchestrate the offense. That would probably be beneficial to Anthony Davis. We'd see a better version of AD in that case, man. We're not a championship team. We got to stop living in delusion. All this regression is coming is BS. We can't shoot worth a lick. A move is needed. I do think there's going to be some moves before the trade deadline. I I think that's going to happen now. Exactly what? I don't know because teams don't know who they're going to trade just yet. It's too early for that. Uh, mo- most guys who are signed over the summer aren't trade eligible till December 15th, some January 15th. So I, I, don't, think, I-, I don't think we can just start saying, oh, they're going to trade for this guy or that guy. Or, you know, we don't know. It's going to depend on what the standings look like. But I do think the Lakers will look. The Lakers have enough areas of need that I think they are going to make some moves. I'm um, here before the trade deadline, exactly what those moves are. Again, we'll see. As far as regression is coming, again, it comes down to what do you what do you believe? What do you believe about this team? Do you believe that they are just this you know terrible three point shooting team? That I mean, we're talking what probably historically bad. I got to look and see what their overall three point percentage is on the season right now. Thirty four percent. Well, that's not historically bad. That's that's actually pretty reasonable in terms of three point shooting. 25% tonight, though, we know that's a bad shooting night. I I predicted they probably end up somewhere around 35% from three. And they're not that far off from that. But I do think there's guys who haven't shot as well as you would hope. Torian Prince, certainly, Christian Wood um have not shot as well as you would want them to. So there needs to be some improvements there. But they, yeah, they could use a couple of guys who can come in and shoot 40%. Right? They could. However, the challenge is finding that player that can shoot 40% and defend and defend. That's the thing. Because if you have a guy who can shoot but can't defend, he's going to get exposed in the playoffs. If you guy who, if you have a guy who can defend but can't shoot, he's going to get exposed in the playoffs. That's what's going to happen. So you have to find a guy that can do both. Well, guess what? Those guys are expensive. It's not going to be easy to find those guys. But that's where Rob Palenka, the front office staff, they've got to do their due diligence and try to find that piece out there to help the Lakers and see what they can add in terms of shooting. Missed the game. Wow. I just say we need another star. I mean, again, you're missing, like, when this team was put together, they were put together to rely on depth and right now they don't have depth. So you you can look at it right now and say, well, we might as well have another star because we don't have depth. But we've yet to see this team be able to play the way that they were assembled to play because they've been missing so many players. So I can understand why the Lakers front office wouldn't be ready just to completely blow up what this team is right now and wipe the slate clean. Because we haven't gotten to see this team yet. We don't know what this full team looks like. Now, nights like this are not good. Nights like this are concerning, and the front office should be paying attention to a night like this, for sure. But you also don't make Uh, like some, they can't even right now, but you don't make like a rage trade because of one night like this. You don't. So you've got to have a real good sense of what it is that you have, what it is you don't have. Do you have a chance to get, to get something that will put you over the top? What is that thing? And then you go from there. And I think the Lakers still need to analyze where they're at, what it is that they can get. Let's keep in mind right now, they still have a record that's above 500. They're 10 and eight on the season. This is a bad loss and there's some things that this team needs, but I don't think we're at a point right now where they can definitively say this fixes everything, right? Outside of just, you know, the the obvious like, hey, we can trade for Giannis. Let's go get Giannis and that would fix everything. Great, right? But that's not, that's not realistic. All right. Ra said 76ers got bailed out by th- free throws in the third quarter. I, I have a hard, like I can't Yes, the 76ers are super floppy and and all of that, especially Embiid, but you lost by 44. Like, the the free throws only go so far. It was way more than just the free throws. Was that part of it? Sure, it was part of it. But there was a lot more going on here than just, oh, free throws were a problem the 76ers got bailed out out or something. I mean, you lost by a ton. You lost by a ton of points. It's way more than just a free throw issue. I'm on traders. Definitely not legit contenders, even if fully healthy offense is horrible. AD's defense doesn't help when other teams shoot threes. AD can't shoot five feet away from the basket. I thought he actually hit a few mid-range shots in, in this game, but it's a good point. Anthony Davis's defense at the rim isn't a factor when teams are shooting threes, particularly when like AD can get pulled out behind the three-point line, but he's only going to kind of half contest because if he fully commits to a three-point shot to contesting it, He's either going to pick up the foul or, or if he goes flying past a guy that pulls him out of rebounding position and it gives you up more opportunity for rebounds, for offensive rebounds for your opponent. So AD is not going to be contesting a ton on the perimeter. So there is a point to that, that if you're going to beat the Lakers, get having a bunch of guys shoot really well from three is a great way to do that because you kind of remove some of Anthony Davis's defensive dominance. Is It goes unused when you're shooting a lot of threes and you're hitting a lot of threes. And that's exactly what the 76ers did tonight, man. They hit a ton of threes. German said, I blame Darwin ham. His defensive scheme is terrible. Why are we over helping? Yes, they were doing that. We saw Austin Reeves do it again. Over helped onto Patrick Beverly. Why? You want the ball in Patrick Beverly's hands. You don't want to help onto Pat and get the ball out of his hands, especially when the ball gets kicked to Tyrese Maxey, who's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. It's happened again in the Mavs game where he overhelped on Luca when the Lakers were up two. Overhelped on Luca, who was in the paint, who was, who was beneath the three-point line to kick out to a three. That's how you lose the game, and the Lakers lost. It was a mistake. And hopefully another one that that Austin will look back at and go, oh, yeah, I made the wrong decision right there. Because, yeah, they are overhelping. That's giving up extra threes. And that's that's a problem. I hate how we play dare three-point shooters defense. Well, there's some guys where the math says you should dare three-point shooters. That's what the math says. The math says they're a poor three-point shooter, and you can gain an advantage by forcing them to shoot the three. If they happen to make them, you tip your cap and you move on. But... And I will say it's not something we see the Lakers do all the time. But I thought even the good three-point shooters, the Lakers didn't do a good good enough job closing out to them in this one. All right, guys. Um, This was not an easy one. No question. Not an easy game. I appreciate all of you for joining me here. It's not fun to go talk about a game like this. But if nothing else, we got to vent a little bit. And hopefully you feel a little bit better. We are not done here, by the way, we've got, uh, Sean Davis is coming up with the Lakers nation post post game show. He's going to break down some of the X's and O's get into everything with you guys and talk about what we're going to do from here. How do the Lakers bounce back from this? So, Oh boy. Again, appreciate you guys for getting through this with me. Hang in here for Sean. And let's bounce back from this one. Thank you, everybody.
0: Till next time. See you. And stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.